0: My
1: Demon Man gave it a backstory.
0: I, I, don't, I don't understand the fascination. I don't understand, you know, why people want something that is so lifelike. Hopefully it's not hexed or anything, but it definitely gives me the creeps. In this episode of The Brothers Grimm, Joey discusses the creepiness behind one of the most beloved toys of all time.
1: Okay, so I thought I'd start this episode off with a fun little exercise. I'm going to say a single word, and I want both of you to share your immediate thoughts. Dolls. Creepy. Immediate thought. Creepy was (laughs) my immediate thought. (laughs) So I... Tori has these American Girl dolls. She has two of them. And... They now sit in our extra bedroom, which is about as far away from me as as I can imagine. I don't go in that room very often. so and I, I just I hate dolls. I think they are the creepiest toys that i I've ever experienced. Now, you have a daughter, Jeremy. so I'm sure your house is full of dolls. <laughs>
2: Well, so for me, it's it's not necessarily dolls because you know you have Barbie dolls and you have all that stuff. It's to me, it's the dolls that look like humans um, that really mess with me. Uh, I don't like the way that their eyes will stare at you.
0: Yeah, that and was follow my thing. You. That was my thing is is when the eyes are open, you can't really tell if they're looking at you or if they're looking just straight
2: ahead. Like that's what that's what freaks me out. Yeah, like my wife had this creepy clown doll mm. that she called, uh, well, Mister Mister Clancy, Clancy the Clown. That's what it was, Clancy the Clown, and it just sat in the corner of the room, and it was so creepy that it just freaked me out. And I mean, I don't like clowns, but the fact that it was a clown doll was like the double, and it was like it's life size, right? Yeah, it's well, it's like my daughter's height, which is like. You know, like three and a half, four feet tall, and it just freak. I just was waiting for that thing to be standing over my bed one night. I just I, dolls are creepy,
1: especially the human-looking ones. Right. It's pretty bizarre the love and attachment that children and and even some adults give these creepy, dead-eyed, inanimate objects. Right.
0: Yeah, and especially when with the people who put them on shelves and just let them sit there.
1: Rooms full of dolls. Yeah, why? Yeah,
0: why? Like, I understand holiday stuff. You got Santa's on the shelf or pumpkins on the shelf or whatever. But if you
1: have a consistent doll on the shelf throughout the year, why? Mm -hmm. No, why? I know. I know. There's been some research, and I, I get. I understand some of the psychology behind why we find dolls creepy. Because generally speaking, dolls are the creepiest toy especially with the research that's been done, they are the creepiest toy that we and, can have. And
0: we're not talking about Ken and Barbie. We're no, ta- no, no,
1: We're talking about... Um, like baby dolls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Lifelike dolls, right? In, in a 2015 Smithsonian.com article, one writer stated that dolls inhabit this area of uncertainty largely because they look like us, but we know they are not us, Right. They look human, but since dolls lack the ability to move or mimic human behavior, our brains become suspicious of whether or not they're actually human. But sometimes those inanimate dolls we write off as not human push that uncertainty and seem to have a life of their own. Haunted dolls, you see, change our minds to begin to fear an object that once brought us fun and joy and our imaginations run wild with potential ability for dolls to mimic that those actions that mess with our homes, or worse, even harm us. And I have a couple examples that I want to share with you. I'm just glad my parents didn't let me play with dolls. Me too. They
0: gave me stuffed animals. You know, I had like a gorilla and like a bear, the classic ones, but, but not an actual doll. Well, I had action figures, and I guess
1: they're kind yeah, of considered but, dolls too. But they're not the dolls that we're speaking of here. So here we go. Meet Robert Eugene Otto. Robert, who usually went by Gene, is described as an eccentric artist who belonged to a prominent Key West family. He married a nice woman named Annette Parker while studying art in Paris in 1930, and the couple returned to the Otto family home in Key West to live there until Gene died in 1974. Annette died two years later. While Gene's life seems uneventful, his childhood and a special birthday gift his grandfather gave him are anything but. So meet Robert. No, not the artist, not Gene. Robert the doll. The most haunted doll in the world. In 1904, Gene's grandfather bought his grandson this one-of-a-kind handmade doll standing at 40 inches tall and made of fabric stuffed with wood, wool, which is a type of straw. But a more sinister origin for this doll claims that the straw filled toy was given to little Jean by one of the family's maids who hexed it in retaliation for wrongdoing. But no matter how Jean got the doll, it almost doesn't matter. The, the doll is dressed in a sailor suit, the same sailor suit Jean can be seen wearing in an old photo, and once bore painted features not unlike those of a jester. I'm talking like a big smile, like. Like really creepy, jester yeah, type painting. Yeah, that's,
0: no, that's not okay.
1: Yeah, already it's a terrifying image. What follows can be described, only described as an unhealthy attachment. You see, Gene brought Robert everywhere. He talked about Robert in the first person as if it wasn't a doll. He was Robert, and he was a living entity to Gene. So alive that Gene would blame mishaps around the, their home on the doll. On one occasion, Gene's parents were awakened in the night to the screams of poor Gene. When they rushed into his room, they found the boy in the middle of the room screaming, and all the furniture was upturned around him. Okay, we're talking
0: about a creepy doll, and then we're talking about this dude blaming
2: the creepy doll for things that Mm happened. And referring to the doll in the first person as if it was something living yeah. this is an
1: inanimate object right it, it, it only gets more strange because as gene got older robert became more malicious as mutilated toys started appearing in the auto's home young gene would simply cry robert did it robert did it another incident happened while a plumber hired to make repairs around the auto's home claimed to hear children's laughter but no one was home as the plumber looked around the room, he noticed that Robert the doll had moved from one side of a window to the other. So think like a room, a door that separates two rooms and that has a window. He sees Robert, the doll, move from one side of the window to the other side. What's more is the plumber swore that objects that had been in Robert's lap ended up on the other side of the room as if Robert had thrown them. So nowadays, this is a little aside, nowadays Robert has this, this creepy dog that sits on his lap and... So, uh, every once in a while, Gene would replace things on Robert's lap with different toys and such. While this could have been laughed off as childish storytelling, right, adults also noticed odd occurrences as Gene and Robert grew older. Let's return to the eccentric Gene as a married adult. Gene and Annette moved into a stately home that Gene referred to as the, the artist house, where he kept Robert in an attic locked up at Annette's request. Okay, so Robert is is he's in his adulthood, married, and he has continued carrying this doll with him into his married adult life. Sounds
0: like he has severe attachment issues. You gotta let things go, like stuffed animals. As your child, sure, it's great. As you're an adult, you gotta let things go.
1: You would think, but uh, people who who knew Gene and knew Annette also knew that. Gene set up the attic to be Robert's room. So it's filled with toys and, uh, and, and doll furniture. Basically, Robert lived in this attic. But of course, Annette forced Gene to lock the attic so that nobody could get in and out, so that the doll just stayed locked in the attic. But somehow, Robert the doll weaseled his way out of the attic. And he would situate himself in a chair that faced the window where the doll could be seen by passersby below so school uh, school children who had passed by the the home that Jean and annette lived in they swore that the doll would appear and reappear and that his gaze would follow them as they passed and they're
0: saying that robert the doll positioned itself mm-hmm. in front of the window not
1: that eugene did it but no. that robert the doll the, the claim is that robert situated himself mm-hmm. so obviously these school children would avoid the home whenever they could they would They would go out of their way to not pass by this house. Visitors to the home would also hear footsteps in the attic, giggling, and some claimed that Robert's expression would change if anyone spoke ill of Jean in the doll's presence. Obviously. So now we have not just Jean and Annette are like freaked out by this doll who apparently repositions itself, but now visitors are saying that the doll changes expressions on its face based off what you say about Jean. So the attachment seems to go both ways. And what's crazy is
0: there's multiple sources that say,
1: hey, this this doll's expressions are changing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, multiple sources. So today, Robert is in a museum exhibit, and you can visit him in Key West. Now, I believe the, the doll moves around based off who owns the doll now. Why Key West? That's where the Otto family lived. Yeah, and where uh, Gene and Annette moved back to? Uh, the doll has been on display in Vegas. It's gone. It's made its rounds around the country. You should make a trip. Wow, I would love to. However, there's a caveat. Okay. Visit at your own risk, because many who have visited Robert have endured hardships after seeing the doll. Car accidents, broken bones, divorces, job loss, and other misfortunes are claimed to have been caused by failing to respect Robert. So much so that according to museum employees, Robert gets one to three letters a day from people apologizing for having looked at him the wrong way, hoping that he'd lift his curse off their lives.
0: Wait, wait, wait. wait. Okay. So people are sending
1: letters yeah. to a doll. Yeah. To Robert saying, I'm sorry I looked at you in, in a wrong way. Please, please lift the curse. Please stop Giving me hardships. People need to grow up. Maybe, maybe there is some you know, validity to the maid who hexed the doll for wrongdoing and gave it to Gene as a child. Yeah, but nothing bad ever happened to Gene. Well, that's true. But maybe the wrongdoing didn't come from Gene. Maybe the wrongdoing came from Gene's parents because it was a maid of the house.
2: But then why would, why would Robert uh, hex or curse other people if his original... Hex was on the parents and nothing bad happened to them. Nothing like job loss. Not that we know broken of. Broken bones, did, death. Did
0: Eugene have a like sibling, sister or brother the baby that maybe
1: Robert saw? Not that's super relevant to the, any of the story that I know of. See, this is why I stay away from dolls, period. I, I There's a piece of me that would love nothing more than to go see the doll in person. Yeah, But
0: definitely. the last thing
1: I want to do is look at him the wrong way and come home to a, a wrecked life. You got a cop out. I mean, who, who, who carries a doll with them from their childhood into their adulthood? And I don't. I, I would not marry that
0: person. Right. Ever.
2: Right. I mean, we've all had stuff that we grew up with. Yeah. That we had as kids, whether it's you know little pillows or blankets or lovies or whatever. That's true. And but we all outgrew them and yeah. sold them or lost them I don't, or I whatever. I don't keep
1: my little pillow on my bed.
2: Now, I will say that, that Clancy the Clown uh, is from my wife's childhood. Now, it remains at her parents' house. But
1: You should probably burn that thing.
2: Well, yeah, I probably should. I mean, uh, hopefully
1: it's not hexed or anything, but it definitely gives me the creeps. Yeah, it's probably not hexed because y'all haven't experienced any weird paranormal activity with the doll. However, there's another story that I believe is a little, a little more creepy and i think that as a huge you know horror movie fan this while while robert's story is a really fun piece of turn of the century folklore this next haunted doll came from 1970 so a little sooner i think we all yeah. know this doll this was before robert no this would be after robert. No, this is after robert. after robert. Okay. yeah gene got robert in 1904 okay turn of the century this next doll Happened. the The story of, of of Annabelle took place in 1970. Now, most of us are familiar with Annabelle, the most creepy doll in recent horror cinema, I think. I mean, just looking at the porcelain figurine that from the Conjuring movie and the Conjuring Two, and who also spun off a trilogy of her own. It's creepy. It's it's actually scary looking. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But this story isn't really a retelling of those films and what happened after Ed and Lorraine Warren, those famed demonologists, came into possession of the doll. This is the reason why they came in the first place. What many people may not know is Annabelle isn't actually the porcelain lifelike figurine we know from the movies. No, she's actually a Raggedy Ann doll. And what's more creepy is just how ordinary and familiar that is. I don't know if... Any of y'all have seen a Raggedy Ann doll? There's nothing special about it.
0: No, yeah, I've seen one in person, and it's red hair. Did your sister have one? Uh, I don't know. My sister had one, but um, I think my cousins, yeah, have one.
1: Don't get one for your daughter, please. No, definitely not. So here's what we know about Annabelle. In 1970, a young nurse named Donna was given an adorable Raggedy Ann doll as a gift from her mother for her 28th birthday.
2: I can understand if you are a doll collector. Sure. And, like, that's... Like you're a collector of dolls, like that. that's what you do, like collecting stamps or collecting sports memorabilia or collecting action figures. Like if you are a doll collector, that's one thing. But to be an adult, getting a doll as a gift or being an adult, keeping your raggedy doll that you had from when you were a kid, like there just seems to be
1: a disconnect yeah. in – someone's psyche with that not not only a raggedy doll but one you know in robert the doll's case like this doll it was already weird because a lot of weird stuff happened around the doll so why would you bring that with you why would annette continue to let Jean keep this doll donna was thrilled with the gift and she brought it with her to her apartment that she shared with another young nurse named angie so we have donna and we have angie two young nurses uh, we don't know much more about Donna. Per normal, Donna set the doll on the living room sofa and there it sat, greeting visitors with her colorful, innocent smile, bright, orange, triangular nose, and red red yarn for hair. We're all familiar with that. Sometimes Donna would also keep the doll in her bedroom, sitting on her bed. But it wouldn't be long before Donna and Angie would come home and notice that the doll had shifted positions. It was subtle at first. She would be in a different spot on the bed, Right? She wouldn't, she wouldn't leave the room just yet, but she would be in a different position on the bed than where Donna originally left her.
0: So now we have another doll, another instance of a doll, moving Seemingly, itself, yep. or changing its face, mm-hmm. or expressions. Is there a common theme here with
1: location, or just another doll? Well, I think that There's two thoughts. Either the doll is actually moving or somebody is moving it and playing a joke on you, right? You know, that brings
2: me to the, you know, the the elf on the shelf. You know, I've got three kids and, you know, the whole premise of, I assume there's no children listening to this podcast, but the whole premise of the elf on the shelf is uh, he lives in your house, comes down from the North Pole and he does uh, silly or funny things True, and keeps an eye on your kids because Santa can't be everywhere all the time. Yeah. And I wonder at what point in the mind of a child does it go from mischievous fun, you know, because we move the doll every night, we make him do ridiculous things, he spills the flour, you know, he makes a mess. At what point in the mind of a child does it go from mischievous fun to m- maliciousness?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, so it's movements were subtle at first and combined to Donna's bed where she left it. But in time, Donna and Angie began to discover the doll in different rooms. Then they left it. So they'd go to the hospital. They'd run their shifts. And they'd come home to find the doll somewhere else. But here's where it gets a little more strange to me is... There were times they'd find the doll with its arms folded and legs crossed. And one time in particular... The doll was found standing on its feet, leaning against a dining room chair. Now, again, this is a Raggedy Ann doll. There's no... It can't stand on its own.
2: Yeah, There's it has the rigidity to it. It's, a, it's like a sock doll. Yeah, yeah. it would and fall it over. It sounds like this doll has an attitude.
1: Yeah, it's a little sassy. They even discovered it kneeling on a chair, which was strange because they tried to make the doll kneel on its own, and every time it would fall over, it couldn't kneel. So already that's strange. The doll itself can't physically, it cannot physically do the things that these girls are claiming it's done. Donna claimed to the Warrens that she'd also found penciled messages written on parchment paper, such as help me, help us, and help Lou. Now Lou, a new character, Lou is Angie's fiance. But here's the strange thing. They didn't keep parchment paper in the house. Where did the parchment paper come from? Exactly. This activity went on for a year. So obviously after a year, the girls wanted to kind of start getting some answers. So they brought a medium in uh, to perform a seance, and the medium told the girls that the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle was living in the doll, thus her name. While the medium claimed Annabelle was a benevolent spirit that just wanted to be loved and cared for, Lou feared otherwise. You see, one afternoon, Lou was napping on the girl's couch. He was awoken to rustling coming from Donna's room, as if someone had broken in. So maybe he heard some crashes. Maybe he heard some glass breaking. Not exactly sure what he specifically heard. But upon investigating, he didn't find anyone. But he saw Annabelle laying on the ground face down, not on Donna's bed where she usually kept it. After laying down again, he opened his eyes to see Annabelle on his chest, staring at him. All of a sudden, he felt a searing pain on his chest, and looked down to find claw marks, bloody claw marks, running across it. And he felt like he was being strangled. Now, Raggedy Ann dolls have those rounded hands; they don't. Yeah. Have...
0: And they can't make noise when they walk, if they could walk. True, because they're they're
1: the fabric. Yeah. So, where did the claw marks come from? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Two days later, the claw marks vanished. After a year of paranormal activity and the incidents with Lou, who became completely afraid of the doll and afraid of being at the girls' apartments, the girls decided to try to rid the spirit from their home and called on an Episcopal priest named Father Hegan. Now, Hegan contacted his superior, Father Cook, who alerted Ed and Lorraine Warren, who took the doll to their occult museum in their home. Today the Annabelle doll sits behind a locked blessed glass case with warnings not to open the case all over it. A priest comes in and blesses the doll every every week or every two weeks for safekeeping. But here's the weird thing because what we've heard so far hasn't sounded super sinister except for what happened to Lou. But here's what here's directly from the Warren's account of the Annabelle doll. Spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit, which an inhuman spirit is not a ghost or an apparition. It's typically a demon. Right. Is an inhuman spirit. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to an object. And this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. So now let's put it all together. The claw marks. When, when you think about the things that have to be true in order for there to be a demonic presence or a demonic possession, claw marks are typically one of those signs that there is a, a malevolent or malicious, inhuman, demonic presence around. And that's exactly what Lou's account stated. So I'll leave it with this thought. One final thought from Lorraine Warren's son-in-law, Tony Spira, who is also a paranormal researcher. He said, if you believe in God, you must also believe there's a devil. Ghosts, devils, demons are real. I agree. So what do we think? What do we think about Annabelle?
0: it's hard for me to to think that a malevolent spirit or a demon or ghost whatever you want to call it would take over some like i get taking over somebody's body and you know investing themselves inside of them but a inanimate object a doll to me that's like it's hard for me to understand that. Hmm. Um, I've never heard of stories of that. And plus,
2: it's a, it's a creepy little doll. <laughs>
0: well,
2: I have two thoughts. One, this sounds like uh, if Bloomhouse decided to remake Toy Story, uh, I imagine that it would have an Annabelle-type flair. Yeah. Because if you think about Toy Story, you know, Woody can't ever stand up on his own. Woody can't do anything. But then all of a sudden, as soon as everybody's out of the room... He's jumping around, running around. Everybody's doing everything. And two, um, you know, in the in the realm of a demonic presence, you know, the Catholic Church um, has four stages of demonic, basically, possession. You know, the first one's infestation, which is like the haunted house, you know, where they're more haunting an object. Um, the second one is oppression. Activity steps up with physical attacks, disturbances, severe illnesses, mainly things that are happening around the person and to the person, but not to the physical being. You know, obsession is when the attacks become so frequent that the person begins obsessing and and just constantly contemplating suicide, all this stuff. And then the final one is once all the guards are down, once the demon has beaten down everything, possession. And so... You know, and, and if you go by those four steps, this seems like a you know, an infestation or an oppression. Um, and, and so it's interesting that a, a demon would use an inanimate object to gain access to a human
1: for possession. not, not just an object. My man my demon man gave it a backstory. Absolutely. He's, he claimed that the the, the, the she was a seven year old spirit of a child named Annabelle. That's some fourth on well, who's
2: to say that the demon's name wasn't Annabelle
1: I
0: don't know. that's a good thought. I mean maybe it's maybe it was just an easy kind of in maybe an mm-hmm. easy easy way to get into where
2: the demon wanted to go right yeah because I mean we're I think we're in agreement around the table here that we all believe in angels and demons yep oh, for um, sure we believe in the forces of evil demonic oppression, possession. I think that all that is we don't see possession as much mm-hmm. visually in the United States, but it happens a ton everywhere else. And so I think when you deal with stuff like this, while some of the details probably end up getting exaggerated over time, as with any story, you know, it, you know, the details expound, you know, but I think that when you boil it down, you know, this is in a situation where this was Definitely demonic, in my opinion.
1: Hmm, Same. Now, here's the the other thing, and this is why I tell these these two stories in tandem, is because just like Robert the Doll, Annabelle, you can can visit Annabelle. Well, Lorraine Warren has passed away now, and their occult museum that was in their home is now shut down. So you can no longer go and visit, but for a long time, you could visit the Annabelle doll. Hold on, hold on. So where is the Annabelle doll? It's got to be somewhere. The Annabelle doll is currently locked up in a completely different room, no longer being blessed, no longer uh, in a blessed locked case. Now, listen. Now, this is what's crazy. Annabelle is still making headlines today because a month ago, give or take, uh, nobody knew where the Annabelle doll was. They could not find it from the occult museum. How are you going to let something that potentially— Right. Could be possessed. Now, they found her uh, uh, amongst some of the Warren's uh, other artifacts. Okay, a, so they did find they her. They did find her. Somebody said, can 2020 get any worse? Annabelle doll has some, been let loose on the world. Somebody
0: <laughs> trying to trying to just add their mark to, right. to 2020.
2: Although, let's be honest. If you were the demon that ended up possessing the Annabelle doll and now you're locked in a blessed case and you can't get out, it's got to be a pretty – Crappy existence, apart from being a demon. I mean, Um, social distancing sucks. Yeah, yeah, that's the ultimate social distancing.
1: But here's what's weird, is is the same thing like with Robert the doll. Those who had visited Annabelle had very similar circumstances happen after after the visit. Car accidents, mishaps, misfortunes. There's something connected to these dolls that are supposedly haunted.
2: And I think it just all goes back to when you... When you flirt, you can only flirt with the line so much. Right. And if you open yourself up, to even, it's like using a Ouija board, you know. You won't ever catch me using a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Uh, not even if it's for fun. It's just it, it, There is a possibility it could open. Uh, you just, no way. No thanks. I, I think it would be cool to see the doll, but uh, <laughs> I just don't even want to chance anything. So you're thinking, like, why even try and, like—
0: entertain the idea when, when Joey and I are like, we kind of want to go see the I doll.
1: I kind of want to see the doll.
0: Yeah. Both yeah, of Because them.
2: I think ultimately, like, so I, I've been re-watching Stranger Things and I'm in season three and, you know, it talks about the, for those of you who haven't watched it, spoiler alert, you know, the smoke monster gets thrown back in the gate, but the one that comes out of Will ends up in their world and he does the example of, you know, he wipes the, the drawing with his hand and then he turns the paper over and he, he touches the paper and sometimes there's a, I think that there can be in situations like that, there's a, a residual, a rubbing, and like a, you, you receive um, a portion of the evil because it's so profound that it's not necessarily what's oppressing you, but you almost get just like, a it's like guilty by association. Like you just get a little a little taste of it and then it, it manifests into, or it could just be complete, just, you know, apophilia where it's just, you're seeing patterns where coincidences are really there. Hmm. Because something, something has happened that
0: therefore there's a little bit of residual kind of carryover of whatever that issue may have been or whatever that suppression may have been. It's just always in the back of your mind. Hey, this, this is possible. This could happen. So therefore it takes your imagination to the next level. It makes you feel or think that, Hey,
2: this might've happened in the past. Maybe that's what's happening now. And then who knows, that could open you up to a whole slew of doubt and you know, it just it opens you up to being oppressed. Oh, you know. It's an entire rabbit hole, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> well that's why I don't like dolls. It took it took two stories. Just two. I
0: don't like dolls just because I don't get them. Mm. I I don't I don't understand the fascination. I don't understand, you know, why people want something that is so lifelike. I get little kids having baby dolls Mm -hmm. but something that's a little more advanced
2: than a baby it's i don't know i don't understand it yeah i the closest thing i ever got to a doll was a teddy ruxpin you know teddy ruxpin was an 80s toy and you put the cassette tape in his chest and his mouth
1: would move and yeah there's there's plenty of paranormal instances around teddy ruxpins oh i'm sure you're showing your age here
2: (laughs) that's the closest i ever got to a doll i mean a lot of it's because we're three guys so we didn't just go around carrying around baby dolls but you know little girls love babies and i think to a certain degree i understand it but like i said when you start ushering into that realm of you're an adult and you still like dolls and you want dolls around you that just seems like it's just an opening for weirdness. Truth. Yeah,
0: for sure. It To me, you're talking almost 70 years between these two stories.
1: Hmm.
0: Very eerie, similar
1: encounters. Very similar. I wish we had more backstory on like where the mom got the Raggedy Ann doll yeah. from.
0: Do you think the Chucky doll is somewhat associated with these two?
1: Good question. So... Uh, Robert the doll actually inspired the movie Chucky.
0: Really? Yeah. Well, that would explain some and, things. And, of
1: course, the the story of Annabelle inspired both the Conjuring 2 yep. cameo and her spinoff of right. the movies. Well, there are plenty of other dolls in, in history that I didn't cover today. You know, voodoo dolls, okikus in Japanese culture. Dolls, in general, have the potential to carry spirits with them and i think that's really unsettling.
0: Yeah, it's crazy that inanimate objects can have that much power or a some sort of power can infest themselves in the, in those objects and mm. i'd much rather just see a actual ghost and then then actually like a doll blinking moving its legs you know kicking its legs around like
1: right.
2: that's not okay. <laughs> Right, haunted dolls are all about the unseen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you rarely see them in action. You see the results of their action, which just builds into the fear and anticipation because you can't physically see what they're doing. So then your brain begins conjuring up everything.
1: Well, I believe that uncertainty is the path to fear. We're uncertain of the doll we're uncertain of we're afraid that it could move on its own and then something weird does happen and we're now afraid of the doll itself
0: This episode was written by Joey Thompson with discussion from Jeremy Thompson and Brian McIntyre and was recorded at Starscream Studio. Grayson over at Starscream is an incredible producer and engineer so be sure to visit StarscreamStudio.com for all your tracking and recording needs. Additional audio support by Will Compton and original music composed by Nick McClure. Be sure to subscribe and when you do, drop a line in the comments and say hi. We wanna hear your grim stories too. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next episode